Good morning. I am so happy to be here with you all today. You're looking good. We got a good looking bunch of fathers. How wonderful it is and how fortunate we are to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave while we can still worship without the fear of being harmed or molested in any way. This is Father's Day, so let me say happy Father's Day to all you fathers. And since it is Father's Day, I'm going to preach to you, especially about things that are very important, things that are very dear to my heart. I was thinking about this uh, a couple of days ago when I found out it was Father's Day. Uh, I was thinking about uh, you. I, gotta, I can see the church in my mind even when I'm at home. And one of the things, the thing actually that stuck out most in my mind were all the children. Uh, it seems sometimes like there's a million children that comes running through them doors going back to their seats. And you look around, you see a lot of, lot of small children. Then we see teenagers and, and we see young adults. But what we also see at the same time are the parents who have built these families. And I thought how fortunate we are to have so many young families as a part of our congregation. But even better than that, I thought about how godly these young families are. They've grown up almost immediately, it seems. It wasn't long ago uh, Ben was born. And now uh, I have to look up at him. And he wags around two kids with him. It seems like it was just a minute ago. These godly young people were produced by godly parents. And we have a congregation now filled with godly families. And I find so much joy in that. I'm not exactly sure how to express myself. As an elder of the congregation, I have very, very little fears that if I were incapacitated or died, that the church would still be in very good hands. Because there are so many good men and women who are going to make sure that as a congregation we stand and stay on the straight and narrow path. From an elder's perspective, I can't tell you how comforting that is. From a preacher's perspective, to know that what you've labored with for more than three decades would be safe if something happened to you. Any preacher would know what I'm talking about. Any elder would understand what I'm talking about. But I have so much respect and admiration for our families. And when I say Happy Father's Day, I mean Happy, Happy Father's Day 
I hope you have a wonderful day today. But it's also my responsibility to help you continue to be the good fathers you are. One of the things that we don't like to talk about is the mess our country's in. From the highest office in the land down to school teachers across the country. I thank God, I pray to God that we live here where that's not a problem, I don't think, for us, at least not one I've ever heard of. But there's a lot of people in a lot of places that find a very, very different situation. We're called the United States, but we are not United States. We are divided states. We live in a world of great turmoil. We live in a country of great turmoil. And you have to accept that fact and you have to deal with reality. We now know so many things that breaks our heart. The CDC, supposed to be a beacon of truth for the Medical Association, we now know handled the COVID situation according to the instructions of the president of the teachers' unions. In many cases, she wrote the literature that was passed on to us, the American public. The AMA, just last Thursday, gave a statement about transgenders that was very far from the truth. But what's important is the positions that these people hold. The President of the United States, just a week ago, celebrated Pride Month with gays, homosexuals, transgenders, and whatever else is in there. He said that they were the bravest and most courageous people he ever knew. Obviously endorsing the lifestyle. Your children are going to be exposed to that information. They're young, they're impressionable, and as you've taught them to do, they listen to authority figures. That's good, but it can also be very dangerous. We have no control over what this country does. Ah, we vote every few years or so, but that's pretty much the extent of our control. But what we do have control over is our own family. And it's the family that God has provided you. And he expects you to protect that family and keep them safe from outside circumstances and influences. There's a war raging in our nation. It's a cultural war. It's a war of ideas. 
The other day, the Gallup poll released a survey where now 41% of the American population associates himself with God. Not with Jesus Christ, God. That's Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, Christians, 41% say they have an association with God. I've never seen it that low in my life. Most of the times, the polls always revealed about 80% or more. But a couple months ago, that number had dropped to 41%. There's a war raging in our nation. It's a war of ideas. There are people who are wanting to indoctrinate your children. Cause your children to believe what's not true and embrace that which is a lie. You got a hard job ahead of you. There are a lot of things you have to do. You have to work overtime to protect your children. It grieves my soul that it's that way. But that's the way it is. Let's think about it a little bit. Dads and elders uh, have a lot in common. So I want you to take what Paul said to the Ephesian elders and apply it not just to elders, but to yourself as a father. Because in some ways, we're spiritual leaders of the congregation, but you're the spiritual leader of your own house. So in this respect, there are similarities. Let's think about what Paul wrote. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock I've inserted your family, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, to shepherd the church of God, to shepherd your family, which Christ purchased with his own blood. For I know this, Paul said, I know he's received divine revelation and he knows what's coming. I know this, that after I leave, Savage wolves will come in among you. Notice these are from the outside. These are exterior influences that will try to influence you, persuade you, convince you to believe that truth is a lie and lies the truth. These savage wolves, imagine their fangs hanging, will come in among you. They will not spare the flock, that is your family. They're the target in this war of ideas, it's the children. It's the same, it's the exact same thing Adolf Hitler did back in the 30s and 40s, and it's the same thing being done today. It's not so much anymore about truth or education. It's about indoctrination and belief. So you have to watch outside influence. That's what I'm doing now, concerned with the exterior influences that were bombarded. Walt Disney cartoons for crying out loud. They're now coming out with a transgender character in their cartoons. From the least to the greatest, the assault is very widespread. Also, he said, from among yourselves, Within the church, the brotherhood, churches of Christ, 
There will be men who rise up. Generally, these will be preachers, perhaps also elders. Among yourselves, such men are going to rise up to be noted. They'll speak perverse things. They will twist the scriptures to draw away the disciples, your children, after themselves. From the outside, your family will be assaulted. From the inside, your family can be assaulted. And you, Dad, you have the responsibility of making sure that what your children digest is good for the soul. And that's a heavy responsibility. We're not dealing simply with life and death. Life and death is cheap. People born, people die every single day. Life and death is cheap. That's not what we're concerned with. Our concern is with the spirit. We are immortal beings. We will never cease to exist. And we must, we must appreciate what's at stake. It's the very souls of our children. And there just ain't nothing more important than that. Therefore, he said, watch, remember, for three years I did not fail to warn you of these things. Over and over and over again, Paul was teaching them to beware of these adversaries. So now, brethren, as he is signing off, so to speak, I commend you to God. Look to God for your way. Look to God for direction. Look to God to assist you. Look to God as your protector. Give yourself to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. I commend you to God and the word of his grace, the gospel. This book is a book of life. This book contains the way of life. This book will teach us not only about God and ourselves, but it will give us direction in an uncertain world. When those who are supposed to know what they're talking about contradict the divine will, we know it's not true. You don't have to be a scientist to figure it out. I don't know anything about medicine, but I know what the CDC did. I know what the AMA did last week. And I know that their reports are simply not true. In regards to the CDC, we now know it was all false. The AMA will be proven to be false as well. You don't have to know everything to be a good protector. You just have to know God and the word of his grace. And you'll have armed yourself to fulfill your role as father and husband in the most effective manner I know this is your intent. I know this is your desire. But sometimes we just got to poke the bear. 
and remind ourselves of our work. The God and the word of grace will build us up, make us strong spiritually, strong in Christ, and ultimately give us an inheritance, a home with the Father in heaven forever and ever. Amen. Not just words. This came from the very breath of God himself. This is truth. Psalm 127, in many ways, I think, was written to fathers and husbands. Oh, it applies to all people, but I don't know. Maybe it's because it's Father's Day. It kind of looked to me like Solomon had fathers on his mind. Let's analyze this. The wisdom of this psalm teaches us that trusting God is more conducive to the prosperity of state, city, family, or the individual than any amount of human wisdom and or activity. If we trust in God, we'll identify the lie. We'll identify the false teachers or politicians or whatever it may be because we know what the truth is. And the truth is indivisible. And that's what Solomon is trying to get across in this psalm. He only wrote a few psalms. This happens to be one of them. In the 127th Psalm, beginning with verse 1, Solomon said, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Scholars contend with one another, and I suppose themselves. What is the house Solomon was speaking of? What was the city? Well, we know at about this time, Solomon had built the temple to God as instructed by David, his father, and by God himself. Many scholars have resigned themselves to the fact that this is what Solomon is speaking about. And the city, of course, would be the city of Jerusalem. But I don't believe that's what Solomon had on his mind. This, this psalm divides itself into two parts, naturally. First two verses, and then verses 3 through 5. The first two verses are designed to set the mind of an individual, to think rightly. And then verses 3 through 5 gives us instruction as to how we ought to live. I don't think Solomon was talking about the house or the city. As the last three verses point out, he's talking about the family. And unless the Lord builds your family... Those who build it do so in vain, for nothing. If the Lord isn't the engineer of our family, when all things are said and done, it will have been in vain. I can't think of anything more painful to me than the thought, the idea that my children would lose their soul. If that were to happen, there's nothing I can do to help them and there's no way to turn around and come back for a second chance because it's over, it's done, it's finished. I can't stand the thought of my grandchildren perishing. 
And Solomon's warning us, the wise man, unless the Lord builds your house, all your effort, your labor, all your aspirations will have been in vain for nothing. Because when all things are said and done, we must die. And no matter what we've acquired along the way, we must leave it. And we must be judged by God Almighty. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. If the Lord isn't our watchman, our efforts to protect ourselves will prove to have been in vain also. This, this little psalm is so important. In Proverbs 3, we discover some of Solomon's other writings pertaining to the very same subject. Note what he said. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. Why, Dad? For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. They, they, they who? They that he's speaking about is God's law and God's commands. The point that's being made is that God's law leads to a longer and better life. And that doesn't strike us as strange. Our Lord said the same thing when he was in his ministry. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He came and he spoke knowing that through his words we could live the best life possible while living in this earth. There is no better way. There's no more fulfilling way. No more complete way to find happiness in life than by letting the Lord build our house, being a member of our family. That, that's so very important. Jesus said in John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh, the flesh is going to profit nothing. When all things are said and done, all accomplishments mean nothing. They won't even be remembered very long. But the words he said that I speak to you, these words are spirit, and these words are life. By de digesting the words of Christ, you are digesting his very life. He's becoming a part of your soul. And the more we digest, the more he can direct our steps and keep us safe from those things that would harm us. Never stop, never stop understanding the will of God. It will give life to our spirits. He goes on to his son, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I don't know about you, but when I get something I have to put together, it comes with instructions, and the first thing I do is set it aside. I used to. I don't do that anymore. I used to set it aside because I know how to put this thing together. 
and suddenly my 45-minute job is turned into four or five hours until finally I get those instructions back out and find out how it was supposed to be put together in the first place. In a way, the Lord's saying the same thing here. He's saying, trust me and do not lean on your own wisdom and ingenuity, your power. Trust me for your direction. In all your ways, acknowledge him. For there is a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs 14 and 12, but its end results in death. It seems right. That's the way some people practice religion. Is it right? Is it true? It seems right. It seems like the kind of thing Jesus would do, but is it? This is the purpose of the New Testament scriptures. We don't have to seem like something's right. We can know whether it's right or not simply by referring to the Lord himself in reading his scripture. In all your ways, acknowledge him, no matter what. Whatever you're doing, acknowledge the Lord, that the Lord is with you, that the Lord is protecting you, and that the Lord is guiding you. And if you do, he shall direct your paths. And that is very important. For narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life, Jesus said. It's a straight path that leads to heaven, but all oh, the battles we have to fight as we go. There are those external in influences. There are internal influences. And we have to contend with these things. We have chosen the Lord. We went through the narrow gate. We're walking the narrow path. We've chosen the Lord. Now we have to make sure that we stay with the Lord. We can relieve ourselves of so many unnecessary burdens if we would just follow the divine instructions. Do not be wise in your own eyes. You may be wise, but don't think of yourself that way. Don't think of yourself as having all the answers and knowing all things. It may seem like you are, but don't think about that. The Lord encourages us. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength for your bones. A longer and better life simply by taking the directions by which we are to walk, which was given to us by our manufacturer. Keep on being wise, Dad. Take this seriously, because it is serious, and we must protect those whom we love. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Verse 2 says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. Remember, Solomon's writing this about 3,000 years ago. 
He's speaking primarily to people who are farmers. And a farmer wants to excel as a farmer, as you know he would. So he dives into the farming business. He doesn't go to the fields. They used to live in Jerusalem or another city, and then they would go out to the fields each morning and come back in each evening. They lived behind the walls to, for protection. So they would go out to the fields. Let's say the average farmers went out about 8 o'clock. But this guy, he wants to excel, to be the best farmer of all. So what does he do? He rises up early. And he stays late when everybody else is going home to have supper, to be with their families, to get out in the yard and play ball, or take a trip over to Grandma's house. This guy's still working. He believes that by excessive work, he can make himself a very profitable person, perhaps even an important person in the land. But he'll eat the bread of anxious toil. The bread he eats, the rewards he receives are going to be the result of his overextending himself in labor. He won't enjoy his supper like the other farmers would. They haven't worked themselves into the ground. They can still sit back, eat supper, and enjoy themselves. Whereas a farmer such as this farmer can do nothing more than eat and go right to sleep. The Lord didn't make us that we would exhaust ourselves. This is why he told the Israelites, don't work on the Sabbath day. They had 12 hours a day to work. You can work those days, six days a week, but don't work on the Sabbath day. Why? Because you need rest. You need time with the family. You need recreation. You need good times along with work times. But this man thinks, I can, I can really be a success. And he works himself into the ground. And for what? After all his work, after all his labor, what happens? Well, his cops come up from the ground. Well, the same is true about the saints. Because the Lord gives to his beloved what they need. Some of the ancient versions read this way. For he gives to his beloved in sleep. In other words, while one man is working himself to death, others who are following the divine prescription, who are getting rest, relaxation, sleep, time with their family, he gives them what they need through their crops. He gives to his beloved as they sleep. In Mark 4, Jesus taught a parable that he doesn't know how his crops come up. He sowed them, he worked them, and then he gets up in the morning and, and there's his sprouts coming up. The farmer doesn't know how that happened, but it happens by divine decree. You have to make time for our families. Behold children, and this is the final segment of this song. 
Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The word heritage means an allotment or a possession. You can find the Greek word used by Peter in 1 Peter 5, 2, and 3 in the American Standard Version. Tend the flock of God which is among you, exercising the oversight, not of constraint, but willingly, according to the will of God, nor yet for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither is lording it over the charge allotted to you, but making yourselves an example to the flock. The charge allotted to you is the same meaning, the same word as we find in Psalm 127, verse 3, the word heritage. So what the Lord is actually saying, children are a charge allotted to you. Children are something that God gave to you. We think of these children as our children, and rightly so. But what's sometimes overlooked is the fact that these are God's children. He's given us an allotment. He's given us a charge, and it's our responsibility to take care of his children in such a way that they'll know him and that they'll love him and that they'll follow him. The greatest responsibility I've ever had in my life is being a father and a husband. I'm also an elder. I'm also a teacher. But you know as I know, that the single greatest charge is that of family. What beautiful families you have. This heritage was given to us from the Lord. It's his gift to us. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Like arrows, the warrior, the warrior's strong. And the warriors practiced, and he takes them strong arms, and he pulls back that bow. And he takes aim on his target, what he wants to hit. It doesn't happen accidentally. It happens purposefully. He means to do it. He aims to do it. He's going to do it. And he lets go of that arrow, and bang, he hit a bullseye. Dad so are the children that's been allotted to you. You have to get to know them and understand them. Solomon said in another place, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he, is not depart, he will not depart from it. Some have alluded this to biblical training, but that's not what Solomon's talking about. Solomon's talking about the way a child leans, in what direction they lean. A man might be an engineer and want his children to be engineers also. Solomon said, no, train him up in the way he should go. What if he doesn't want to be an engineer? What if he wants to own a McDonald's? 
What if that's his dream, his aspiration? What if that's direction in which he leans? Train up a child in that way in which the child leans. You have to know the child. You've got to know which way he leans. Some children are of the earth. They are comfortable outside doing things with their hands. Another child finds no pleasure in that whatsoever. They prefer to be on a computer or they prefer to write poems or they prefer to study the scriptures. That's the way the child leans. Solomon's saying, don't try to bend him in the wrong way. Train him up in the way he leans. And when he is old, he will not depart from the way. Training up a child in the scriptures is a given. But this is a different kind of instruction. It has to do with raising the children that's been allotted to us. The teaching is already known. The training part is where we may have difficulty. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. You know what the quiver is? The quiver is a leather sack, generally, yay long, yay big around, and you throw it over your back with a strap. What you're what's he supposed to do is to fill his quiver with arrows, have a lot of children, have a big old family. Now, I want to remind you that we're talking about 3,000 years ago when this was recorded. About 3,000 years ago, people raised as big of a family as they could. There were multiple reasons for that. The children would be an asset to the family. One day, because there was no Social Security, when the parents got old and unable to take care of themselves, they had a plenty of children to take care of them for them. The law was as the, you have raised the child, so shall the child take care of their parents when their parents can't take care of themselves. So many children were an asset. Many children provided many laborers in the field. The farmer could extend his crop base. He could grow more corn, more wheat, whatever it was he grew, because he had plenty of children to help him work the fields. It was common at the time. Solomon's not talking about us today. He's talking about what it was like 3,000 years ago. He said, this man who fills his quiver with them, he said, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. In the gate is where court was held. When a father was called into court, there would be a plaintiff there at the gate. He complains about something the farmer's done. He probably wants money or reimbursement of some sort. Imagine, imagine this farmer showing up at the gate with about eight huge sons standing around him. They can speak in defense of their father. They can protect their father if someone tries to harm him. So fill your quiver full of them because they'll be an asset to you in your life. 
There's so much that could be said and so little time to say it. I know, I know your great fathers and husbands. Most of you I've married. Most of you I remember when the day you were born. I was present at the hospital For more than three decades, I watched you grow up. You aren't my children by blood, but you are my children. And I want you to see so badly, I can't possibly articulate my feelings. I love you, my interest is in you. I'm here for the purpose of helping you. Set your mind to do good. And if you need encouragement along the way, you can find a spiritual father in me. I love you so much. If you are subject to the invitation of the Christ, if you believe him and you want to walk with him, you need to resolve in your heart, I'm going to give up sin. I'm going to give up drinking. I'm going to give up gambling. I'm going to give up drugs, whatever the problem may be. I've resolved in my heart that this is what I want to stop doing. And I want to do the will of God. Repent in your heart. Be willing to confess Jesus before other peoples. Be immersed with him in water. Because that's the moment in time when God initially takes away our sins. The greatest day of my life was the day I was baptized into Christ. As Christians, oh, so many things can go wrong. Let me count the ways. <laughs> if I had a dime for each one, I'd be on my second million by now. There's so many, so many trials and temptations along the way. Oh, boy. There's just no way to get around it, folks. We've got to go through it. And each time we go through it, we come out better than we were before. But sometimes, sometimes the devil gets us by the foot and we sin. As a Christian, if I've sinned, I need to confess it to God and have you pray with me that I could be forgiven.